Hey everybody, Ryan here on behalf of the Tipsy Panel to remind you that Black Lives Matter. If you're also sick of seeing cops kill and brutalize with impunity, here are some places you can donate. The Minnesota Freedom Fund at www.minnesotafreedomfund.org donate. The Brooklyn Bail Fund at www.brooklynbailfund.org donate. Or if you want to support the family of George Floyd directly, you can donate to their GoFundMe at gofundme.com slash F slash George dash Floyd dash Big Floyd. We encourage you to take direct action today and every day to honor George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and the countless other black victims of police violence and racism. In the words of Archbishop Desmond Tutu, if you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. And if hearing this message makes you uncomfortable, good. That means this message is for you. Do you like Disney? Do you like movies? Do you like friends who watch these movies? Disney Channel, Tipsy Paddle, Tipsy Channel, Tipsy Paddle, Tipsy Paddle, Tipsy Paddle, yeah! Hey everybody! Welcome to the Disney Channel Tipsy Panel, the podcast where we watch and review all the DCOMs from A to Xenom. My name is Brandon Lamuto. I am your host. Uh, it is, I am fresh off of a nap. Uh, it is that time in New York City where uh, every nap turns into a sweat nap. So I have sweat out all of my afternoon alcohol and have started on the evening alcohol. So this is a good time, and I'm glad I get to enjoy this evening alcohol with all my friends. I'm going to introduce them. Uh, we have our sound engineer, Mr. Ryan Metz. <clears throat> Hello. I'm, I'm full of road dust and pollen. Ooh, what's that like? Uh, that's what happens when you bike about 20 miles out here on beautiful Long Island where, uh, three out of four of us grew up. Um, probably tire dust from when our parents' parents were driving around on these It's roads. all recycled dust. <coughs> 20 miles though, that's serious. You could have made it all the way out to the Amityville Horror House. Not quite, but, uh, maybe next time it- I'll, I'll come visit you and, and, uh, clean your sweat up with a rag. Oh, please do. I would love that. I need a, I need a sweat boy. <sighs> Uh, we have our mixologist, Mr. James Latiri. Hello, I'm, I'm also sweating. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that time, isn't it? But I don't think any of us are sweating quite like our art director, Miss Brennan Banta. Howdy, it's over 100 degrees. Oh my oh, God. Yes. It's a hot one here in Texas. That's brutal. Is that oh, typical? Man. Uh, that's, that's typical, I, right? yeah, This is my first May here, so yeah. <laughs> Typical for me. One hundred percent of the maze that you have spent in Texas have been like this. So yeah. All right. Hi gang. Uh, How's everybody doing? I'm I'm good. Uh, so I feel like I've gotten past the uh, the depression stage of quarantine, which I believe means I'm now in the bargaining stage of quarantine, which <laughs> is very accurate because I would give anything to just be in a room with my friends safely again. Oh my god. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, it's 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 past the novelty, and it's a little scary that it's now seems a lot more normal to be doing what we're doing when it's totally not. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just want to be with you guys again one day. I'll be, be able nice. to. Yeah, I'll be able to reach out my hand and and just just touch your shoulder, just just because I can. It'd be nice if we were sweating it out in my 
spare bedroom of my two bedroom apartment again. The studio. Those yeah. are the days. Yeah. How good we had. Sweat it. down to booty hoe when you're in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> So you had like, that one prepared, didn't you? No, I didn't. I swear. Sounds oh, like you got a little Jared Corwin uh, thing oh, going God. on. Oh, Don't God. Don't even I say his name. I'm sorry. I got I'm too sorry. much sun on me today, you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, it's it's good that I we, we all need to get outside and get some sun at this time. I hope every all of our listeners are doing that. Whether your state is locked down or not at this point, uh, if you're listening in the future, uh, you won't be, hopefully. If you're listening uh, anyway. in the future, you won't be. Technically, everyone's listening in the future, aren't they? Whatever. This I could be more. I could be more time specific, but but this isn't what our podcast is about. Uh, in fact, I would say a, a, a motif of our podcast is me saying things that are not evergreen, and then Ryan correcting me. Well, I'm not going to correct you this time, but what I will say is that it's not the year 1997, which is when the movie that we're watching talking about today was made. And what movie is that? That's a movie called Northern Lights. <sighs> My favorite movie my favorite strain of <laughs> marijuana which i don't smoke <laughs> anymore uh, all right uh before we get into this movie uh we are called the tipsy panel for a reason that reason is because of all of the alcohol that just runs through our veins uh it, yeah it's it's a lot um probably over the legal limit every single time that i record one of these which is fine i think um, James is our mixologist. He always makes a drink. Um, now that we are not together in the same room, uh, he probably made a drink and he's hogging it all for himself. That greedy bastard. James, what did you make? Well, I'm not, I did not make a drink. I'm drinking a Montauk watermelon session ale. Oh, which, those are great. Nice. Yeah. Um, um, wasn't a fan last year. And for some reason this year, they are pretty good. Personally, um, I am more of a 21st amendment, hell or high watermelon. Uh, they fan? definitely they definitely get more watermelon flavor in that one, but this one has less, which is why I think I like it. Okay, fair. Well, um, but nice. I did come up with a drink. I know the theme has been a little bit like drinks from places that we wish we could go. So this is from uh, Sly Fox, or it's, it reminds me of Sly Fox, which is okay. where a friend of ours once made me take peach schnapps and and hot sauce shots. So Sly Fox is a bar on like 2nd Ave or something and like 9th Street. Uh, It's a real cheap and sketchy um, Slavic bar. But uh, so this drink has peach schnapps in it. And the name is the Buckeye Borealis. Uh, Buckeye for Ohio State, which is a theme in this movie (laughs) a little bit. And Borealis for the Northern Lights. So it's uh, two ounces of bourbon. It's one ounce of peach, peach schnapps. Uh, two ounce of orange juice and two ounce of cranberry juice. Mix Ooh, that sounds lovely. Yeah, and it's actually, refreshing, I bet. I'm into that. Uh, I will be making that drink very soon. So listeners, um, if you want to make that drink, you can, because you're going to hear this recipe as you're listening, but you'll also find it on the Instagram uh, at Disney Channel Tipsy Panel. Check it out. We'll post the recipes there for you. And if you want real authenticity, you have to add a dash of hot sauce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which honestly wouldn't be bad. What kind of hot sauce do you recommend for this? Um, like, like, are you thinking like a Cholula or like a uh, like a Tabasco, a Valentina? I would say Cholula or Valentina, just because I feel like you want a lot of like you want the vinegar of it and not just hot. Like, if you do Tabasco, it's mm-hmm. just going to be hot. But you want yeah. like a little bit of the texture of like, oh, I'm eating like a peach wing. 
Okay. Ooh. Ooh. Never, actually... never tried it. And actually, no, I did try just the hot sauce and peach schnapps. Never tried <laughs> it with this whole thing. Everybody else, try it and write in. I don't know, or call us. Yeah, oh. please let us know. We, oh, would, yeah. we would love to know what it tastes like if you happen to make it before we do. So if you do make it, give us a call. Um, I'm going to see if I can remember the phone number. It's 914-863-1613. Yeah. D- oh, wow. Yeah, that was Amazing. good. Nice. Decom hotline. Hey, mm-hmm. uh, Brennan and Brandon, what are you two drinking? Uh, I have put together a lovely gin and tonic. Uh, that has been my standard, uh, my, my bread and butter throughout the pandemic. Nice. Um, any, any night Thursday through Monday pretty much has been one of these, um, Tanqueray and whatever tonic I can find in the store. Plus a splash of lime juice. Can't Ooh. go wrong classic well drink i am just sticking with the white wine it's the afternoon where i am and it's a pretty light drink that's nice i'm drinking coffee out of my new york mets mug because i miss baseball that's amazing (laughs) (laughs) so northern lights uh who wants to tell who wants to explain the plot of northern lights and listeners uh, keep in mind yeah keep in mind listeners uh what you're going to hear is going to sound ridiculous, but that's just because the plot is ridiculous. I'm going to sit. I this would like one to out. start with an early frame of the movie, which is a full-grown man in a bunny costume. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty bold. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I am going to take a stab at, at summarizing the plot of this movie, and basically, it's two hapless schmucks have to come together to honor a dead man's final wishes which are um raising a child yeah raising his child yes, uh, yes. his like 9 year old child jack who by the way is played by a guy who i know um no so shit. joseph joseph cross Yes, I, yeah, absolutely. Joseph Cross was a child actor who also did some adult acting. He was in Milk. Uh, I remember him in Criminal Minds. He did some some popular movies. He was um, in Jack Frost. Yes, he's in Jack Frost. Absolutely. And um, he has a Joseph, minor role in Big Little Lies, a more contemporary. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, Joseph Cross is a very talented actor, but I went to high school with his brother. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, huh. so I uh, had that connection, and I, I met him before I even knew that he was in things. And then after meeting him, I was like, oh, he actually does things. That's pretty cool. What does the wow. brother do? Uh, he was in a music video filmed at my high school for the band OAR. Oh, uh, AR. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't heard of them, uh, I am not surprised. They are very much in – they're like – an opener for Dave Matthews band. Yeah. They're jammy. Uh, if you've heard of the song, that was a crazy day of game of poker. Um, first of all, I'm sorry. And second of all, that's by them. They're like a, a B tier dashboard confessional. Well, dashboard is more emo. You know, they, they're, they're, they're a B tier, like Dave Matthews band. They're a B tier fish. They're a B tier jam band. Yeah. They're, they're like, yeah, they're, they're an entree into deeper jam bands. Whew. Yeah, exactly. But for, like, bros. Yep, that's that's OAR. Um, but they have nothing to do with this movie. No, they have everything to do with this movie, so I'm going to keep talking about them. No, that's okay. <laughs> so this um, movie, I was surprised to find out that it was based on a play, and it actually makes it make a lot more sense. 
In what way do you say that? Well, you know, it's it's. I don't know. It just really has that feeling of a play. I, I'm not a, a theater person, so I can't really say why. But um, you know, all of the scenes are in in I guess similar settings, if you will, and it seems like it would translate really well to the stage. Um, you know, nothing too elaborate. You know, as far as plot or uh, characters or, or stunts or anything like that. You know, it's just very story driven and, and, you know, a little drama, a lot of humor. Um, I I think that makes sense. Um, Actually, going off on that, I would say that the lighting choices that they made would translate more to a play than it would to an actual movie, because um, here's the sense that I got. So one of the first one of the, I guess, motifs of the movie that comes up in the first five minutes and then never again until the very end (laughs) is the northern lights. The idea that. You're not going to see the Northern Lights all the time. It is a phenomenon. And they say phenomenon 20 times. Phenomenon, phenomenon, phenomenon. Do, 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 do. Phenomenon. Do, 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 do. Anyway, so the, they, they established lights as like a theme. And the idea I got from the lighting that choices that they made, which were very strange, it was like a car light. Like the car lights pop on when Diane Keaton and the other guy show up at the train station, uh, even though they never noticed that the car was there. And the hotel lights pop on all as soon as they walk up. Like in a play, this all makes sense. Like the lighting being based around the character. But for a movie, if you're trying to establish some level of realism, it makes no sense at all. Yeah, agreed. So, so yeah, okay, that, that does make sense. Um, Another thing that I think it's important to establish uh, is that this movie was, depending on the way people frame it, the last Disney Channel premiere Mm. or the first Disney Channel original movie. Um, If you look at the Wikipedia page, they say some sources claim this is the first DCOM, but those sources have no connection to Disney Channel at all. And I don't think this was ever a legitimate DCOM. I think this was just a movie that was produced uh, by, you know, outside sources that Disney Channel picked up. Like Buena Vista Pictures was totally uninvolved with this. Um, And it came out like six months before under wraps, which Disney huh. Channel says is the first Disney Channel original movie. Yeah, this one has a distinct feeling that's separate from any DCOM that we've seen. I, I'm going to place this one in the premieres camp if mm-hmm. it had to go into one of those categories, but it doesn't even really feel like, like any of those. It feels different yeah. from uh, Whipping Boy. It feels different from Gone Are the Days. I, don't I know, mean, I think, think it's... I think it's pretty similar to Suzy Q in terms of like tone and theme. Like here, let's let's outline. Look through your notes, everybody. Let's outline all of the non-Disney Channel like ideas that come up. There's the first one where Diane. First of all, there's the fact that Diane Keaton is smoking like a chimney throughout the whole movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Diane Keaton uh, mishears somebody on the phone and says "titty," which yeah. is a great, great, great moment. His like, titty. It, it, His kitty. <laughs> His tabby. <laughs> There's, uh, um, oh, the kids are playing terrorist in the yard yes, and they yes. have a child tied up. Yep. Yeah. They're shooting squirt guns at her. Yes. Waterboarding. <laughs> you love, um, simply love to see it. There's, I mean, there's heavy kissing. There's a couple scenes mm. of heavy kissing between the woman who's married to the pastor and between Ben Rubadoo, spoiler alert. Rubadoob. Uh, Rubadoob. Ruba Doob. I could say. I just wanted to watch a movie. I wanted the movie just to be him. 
Ruba dude, um, your name sounds like Here's a like direct music. quote. He's being fickle with his kitty. Oh, I, we that, single women know what that can be like. Oh my god, I, I wrote didn't down the exact quote, that. Brennan. <laughs> and then of Incredible. course there's the cherry on top, which is truly at the end of the movie with Diane Keaton's Halloween costume. But I think we're gonna keep you oh. we're Ooh. gonna keep you on the hook with that one and you're just gonna have to listen to the end of the podcast to reveal what very un PC thing she decided to dress up as yeah. for Halloween. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm gonna do something I've never done before, which is if you're listening and you're intrigued, even if you're not intrigued, I recommend you watch this movie. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say I give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. That'll be at the end. But I recommend that if you're listening right now and you haven't seen it, watch it. Because, yeah, it's a trip. <laughs> this is definitely <laughs> a first for, for Ryan. So I appreciate that. All right. Um, so um, so I, I guess dies. we should... Yeah, um, the man is Tom Cavanaugh, who, if you have ever watched Scrubs, he's JD's brother on Scrubs. That's that's yep. how I recognized him. You can't even see his, you ever, You don't ever even see his face, do you? Yeah, you well, And the, they do a flashback. So they oh. do a flashback yeah. where Diane Keaton is in, like, the like the cabaret with him. And, oh, yes. Uh, oh, right. He saves a robin's egg, and he takes an eyelash from her <laughs> yeah, face wait, and so, tells her to make a wish. Yeah, so it, let's talk about... What we know about Frank, who is the man who dies because he's saving a kitty from <laughs> a uh, like a, a cell phone pole, which is very fun. Yeah, how did it get um, up there? Oh, you know, cats just do things. Yes, but they lived accurate. in a hotel with this. I presume they lived in a hotel. Him and his son. Yes, that's that's the 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 thing that they're establishing. They live in a hotel, and here's what we know about Frank. He has one child. Um, he is, according to Diane Keaton, very, um, arty. Like he, he really enjoys bird watching. He really enjoys just like nature and talking at length about like nature and, and writing in his journal. Like, I think he is supposed to be a little more artistic. She said that he writes so much. Uh, she says for a minute there, I thought he could have been the Unabomber. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Also a great dated reference. Uh, Big fan of that. Do you think kids today know who the Unabomber is? I know who the Unabomber Kaczynski is, but I'm not. Yeah, but we're not kids. I doubt kids know. Probably not. That's a piece of history that I think they all need to know. Mm -hmm. Although with like the podcast and so much about like true crime, like it's going to come up again. I think there's a Netflix series probably. So. Probably yeah. more than we're giving credit, but definitely not as many as no, like, I don't know, name another Wait, famous, like, more recent crime, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think he should. That would be fun to watch. So, Dead Frank is what some may describe as a sensitive artistic type. I mean... Dead Frank. <laughs> Good name. You know, he um, he obviously gets together with a woman to have a child with her, but, uh, you know, he's insightful, Ryan. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's artistic Should... and he's, and he's sensitive enough to bring a Robin's egg into a New York city cabaret and then have his sister blow an eyelash off of his finger. And I mean, that was very yeah. flirtatious. It was, it didn't it's feel like, like a brother sister thing. I wrote it but until I realized that it was a brother sister flashback. I was like, ah, the old show up late and touch her face trick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Works every time, as long as you're in a movie made before 2002. I love how memorable Diane Keaton's blonde wig is. 
I mean, the, she, this is what Diane Keaton. This is what Diane Keaton <laughs> looks like now. So I think yeah. it was pretty, um, you know. And her her powered suits just totally date the movie. Yes, mm. absolutely. But I mean, I I love Diane Keaton in this movie. I love Diane Keaton in any movie. She's great. Um, I got strong like Moira Rose vibes from her this whole movie. From oh. Schitt's Creek, for anybody who watches yeah. Schitt's Creek, like between the wig and just her general like impatience with like country living. Absolutely. And being from the big city. I love yeah. how many times she says New York City. I yeah. love that this movie shits on New York City. It's great. What does she yeah. do there? She's in a call. Se- I mean, when I said <laughs> HIV at the top of the show, like I, she mentioned it. So she tells people sure what rent is. That's yeah. her job. Basically, I gathered oh. that she worked for like a telecharge type company where you'd call up and wait on hold to like get tickets for plays because that was why she was talking about rent. She works I mean, for 555 yeah. Film. If this was, you know, started as a theater show, they probably wanted to kind of have a tongue-in-cheek nod back to that. Yeah. yeah okay, sure yeah, that point. makes sense. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, good. Very good point. Um, and, and, if I may, she, uh, her address is given as 73 West End Avenue, which I looked it up, and it's right near Lincoln Square and Lincoln Center. Hmm. Um, and huh. there's no way in hell that someone could afford to live at a place like that on the salary of the job that she does. That's that's just my opinion. Well, Absolutely. you gotta you gotta understand the the time period of New York City in the '90s on TV and movies. Like what what people could afford did not matter. Everyone everyone in the world knows friends and everybody knows oh it's a rent controlled apartment but all of that is just bullshit you know any job that you if you have a job in new york city the implication in any piece of entertainment is that yeah you can afford to live there you have a job That's a good <laughs> as, point. as if any job is enough to live in new york city well sign me up for the call center because uh you know, clearly uh, I'm, I'm not doing the right thing here. <laughs> um, anyway, so the the whole crux of this movie is that Diane Keaton and this other guy, uh, Mr. Rubadoob, they show <laughs> up in what's the town called? Bright Springs. They show up in this small town um, because Diane Keaton's brother died. It's Mr. Rubadoob's best friend from college. And they find out that they are in the will as uh, raising... Frank's child. Uh, now, I think, outside of you know the possibility of this, that that is hilarious. <laughs> saying that two strangers <laughs> are now going to raise your child together. Yeah, that's some backwards matchmaking. What did he? What did he think was gonna happen, bro? It's just a prank. Oh, just a prank, bro. <laughs> just gotta raise my child by Frank. Frank's pranks. <laughs> Hey, it's what up, YouTube? Welcome back to Frank's Pranks. Uh, this episode, I'm going to die and tell my sister and best friend that they're going to raise my child. Uh, before you keep going, make sure to give me a like on that on that thumbs up. Uh, make sure to subscribe to my channel. And yeah, I'm going to go drink some bleach. Uh, everybody keep watching. <laughs> it does. Tonight it did have like Alice in Wonderland. Oh, uh, duh. it had like Alice in Wonderland vibes. You know, mm-hmm. it was like it was a very weird place inhabited by strange characters. Yeah, I wrote down that it felt like every character was like from a Coen Brothers movie. Like For- you have you have um, you have a guy who whose face looks like a rat. You, <laughs> have, 
you you have uh, a hotel manager who just rings a bell because he likes the way that the bell sounds. Uh, you have this you have this like Mormon family with a ton of kids and they look like cults. Uh, it's you have Joe Scarlatti with a uh, he says hair lip, but I think it would be cleft palate nowadays. Yeah, mm. right. Uh, even um, though you have, a, you have a cab driver that only speaks in grunts. You have a, a, like a depressed Navy veteran that hangs out on like a higher floor of a hotel. Um, the, like Oh, depressed nonverbal Navy veteran. I wrote down there's lead or other heavy metals in the drinking water of this town. Oh, 100%. For some reason, yeah. watching this movie made me want to listen to R.E.M. really badly. And I can't really explain it's the why. end of the world? Well, yes and no. I, I can't really explain why, but it... it just made me feel like small town Americana music was was necessary after watching this. Diane yeah. Keaton had a great line where she was like, "Every this whole town feels like that show Rod Sterling used to host." And Mr. Rubadoob says, "Oh, Star Trek." <laughs> that I think that's the only good joke in this movie. Yeah, uh, one of those great jokes for kids that these movies are famous for. Mm-hmm. Oh, how about what's up, my blood pressure? <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> Now, uh, I want to talk about Mr. Rubadoob because I never quite figured out where he fits into this movie. In fact, I think that having him as a character that comes in to raise the child just makes the movie make less sense. Now, hear me out. There's two people that are supposed to be raising this child, and it's very clear that Diane Keaton should be the one. Like, she's a blood relative. Everybody says you're a blood relative. Everybody expects her to raise this child. Now, why is this other guy also here and also kind of expected to raise the child? I think that this movie would have made so much more sense if Mr. Rubadoob was just a guy who's from this town. Like, somebody who she meets while she's here. And it's like the one relatable person that she could talk to. Just somebody who wasn't expected to raise the child, but is there to talk to her. I don't see why they had to pull in a a random person from Ohio to say that, oh, this guy's also raising the child. It's also like if you were thinking about like what a typical, I guess, a little bit more like cliche plot would be like you'd expect um, Diane Keaton and Mr. Rubidoux to like end up together at the end Mm -hmm. but that's also not happening no it's it it is weird and like i don't really get what his progression is supposed to be it's basically it's basically i feel like frank francis is is what his sister calls him like he's just supposed to be like helping people from the grave Mm -hmm. but he just helps people in different ways by using his son it's very odd I mean, it, I, it, I guess the only thing I could think of is that the way he the way that Frank helps Mr. Rubadoob is that he helps Mr. Rubadoob get over his ex-wife and meet another woman. But that could have happened, like, even if he was from this town. I don't see why he had to be, you know, fly in and expected to raise the child. Yeah. And, and also this woman knew all about him. She was like, your daughter's. I've been waiting for you. Like, she was basically stalking him. Mm-hmm. And you're assuming that Frank just, like, talked up Mr. Rubidoux? I don't know. This movie would have definitely been better if it was, like, a Stepford Wives situation. Like, the town is some sort of, like, fucked up, and Diane Keaton has to get this kid out of there. Now, well, that that could have been something. That It's interesting that you say that, because I was thinking just there. I mean, I didn't consider what... Rubidoux's role was at all, but I think 
to your point about the town, it, it, it's interesting because I think that has more to do with it than than you were letting on before. I, I think the the town is more of a character than than Rubidoux even. He's kind of a rube, and he's just <laughs> there to to serve an end. Whereas the town, I mean, we have multiple scenes where the whole town is there all at once, and you know, they're, they give Roberta flowers as she's leaving. And, you know, I think, um, I'm probably kind of rambling at this point, but no, I think, I think the town is, um, almost a character in and of itself. Um, yeah, I, I agree yeah. with you. You know what it feels like? Um, it feels like the town in big fish that you and McGregor finds oh, where it's like, yeah. a, it's like a small town where everybody is so happy to be there. They don't care about the world outside of them. Everyone is here and everyone is happy. And it's because of what James said, everybody there is drinking lead. <laughs> <laughs> it's, Flint, it's Flint, Michigan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, this town is just, it's not bright rapids or bright springs or whatever. It is Flint, Michigan. And I feel bad for all of them. Maybe it's Grand Rapids. Just changed one name. Oh, oh, yeah. There you go. Good, good point. Ben Rubidoux is basically Jerry Gergich from Parks and Rec. <laughs> yeah, he, he really is. Except the, nobody feels sorry for him. No, no, that's true. Oh, that's I, who the, I was the, thinking he was this whole time. I was like, <laughs> why does this guy look so familiar? But then again, it could also be because I watched an illegal stream in 480p and everybody was blurry. Oh, my God. You watched an illegal stream? How dare you? I acquired this movie legally. Psych, there is no way to acquire this movie legally. Well, you can write to P.O. Box 07428 in Sherman Oaks, California. Truly lost to the sands of time. Actually, you know what? I want to email the Disney Channel, and I want to find out, like, hi, I want to watch this movie. How can I do that? And I just want to see what they say. I wonder if maybe it's one of those, like, Susie Q, where you can't see it because it depicts such adult activities. Like, Roberta, a.k.a. Diane Keaton's character, she smokes in a classroom. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, we really can't stress enough how different of a tone this movie feels yeah. to compared to the modern versions of Disney Channel movies. Like, there's no progressing a young teenager into Disney stardom. Um, right. Like, this movie deals with mental health. It has yep. swear words. Yep. Yeah, we didn't even talk about how um, Jack the child, his mom is still alive, but she is institutionalized. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, she's so I mean, sick. I'm, I'm going to say it. I never trust anyone who wears all white all the time. Mm. <laughs> I, I thought <laughs> well, the same I thought... Thing. I thought that as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, she is dead or a ghost or just not actually there. And I thought like, oh, they're all humoring this kid because he, you know, he thinks his mom is there and she's not. And she's going to like disappear and like, you know, fade away into the ether or something. No, she's there. She's really there. Yeah. No, that that uh, that surprised me. Yeah, I will if, say if the you, be- Go ahead, James. No, I'm just saying if you wander out of the woods, like you're the end of that character is not going to be. Great. Mm-hmm. I, I thought true. they were going to go with that she was going to be like rude or aggressive, but it turned out they went mentally ill. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we should just say what happens. Uh, this is at Frank's memorial service, and uh, Jack is playing the piano because he's an accomplished musician at the ripe old age of nine. And <laughs> yeah, he's like, hey, want to know what's a good piece to cheer everybody up? Hall of the yeah. Mountain King. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll get the crowd going. 
and, that and it gets will tick off my mentally unstable mother. Yeah, it gets one lake. person going, and it's his mom, and she dances. <laughs> and she's going right into the river. She just dances herself off of the precipice of a mental health breakdown. But she was so happy. I mean, she couldn't have done it more gleefully. Truly, yeah. This is also um, the time where a lot of you know people don't really distinguish between mental health issues so she is just you know she's just hysterical like that's basically what it is she has female hysteria you know how they cured that back in the day anybody orgasms and heroin thank you yep actually i don't think it was heroin but i do believe that they had some sort of opiate or uh i don't know it might have been cocaine Orgasms and Heroin is the name of the latest Crystal Verge album. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm so glad you caught that one, too. Yeah. yeah, Let's talk about good credits names. Crystal Uh, (laughs) Verge played Aggie. Dude, I love Crystal Verge. The only other good one I found was Blue Angus. Yeah, that was a really good one, too. And the credits went by so fast. I didn't even get to see what Blue Angus did or who Blue Angus was. But Blue Angus and Crystal Verge are peak Names, top tier. We also had uh, David Paul Grove play the toilet <laughs> paper man, which... <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, David Paul Grove is not funny, but David Paul Grove as toilet paper man is hilarious. Who was toilet paper man? Not a clue. I don't remember a single person in this movie Wasn't who could face. possibly be toilet... Yeah, no, Rat Man has a name. He is Rat Man. He was also, also in- Gerald or something. Right, right, Gerard. Yeah, something like that. Uh, I saw a good name, Kirby Gina. What? <laughs> yeah, J-I-N-A-H. Holy oh. shit. Incredible. Hey, did anybody else notice that Meg Ryan was executive producer on this movie? Yeah. I, I assume what? like I assume that she had an, a connection through Diane Keaton. I don't know. I didn't really look into the director whose name was uh Linda Yellen. Uh and the writer was John Hoffman, who's the guy with the lisp. Um, I didn't really look too deep into them, but it's just very interesting that Meg Ryan was reached out to and said, yeah, I'll make sure this movie gets made. No problem. I looked Maybe into it was John- a different Meg Ryan. Well, my sister is Meg Ryan. Hi, Megan. I know you're out there, but yeah, her middle name is Ryan. So she's Meg Ryan. And my parents claim that they had no idea they were doing that. But With the uh, executive producer of Northern Lights. Yeah, she was how old my she actually she was born that year. So she was one month old and she said, you know what? I'm going to make this movie happen. She saw the play. So Megan, thank you for making sure that Northern Lights got made. It was, it's truly a moment in cinema. And that's our show, everybody. Thank yeah, you that's for it. listening. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm um, looking through my notes now to see what else here is Can we good. talk about uh, the whistling chorus? Oh, oh my God. Oh. So this was at a funeral. Yeah, at uh, Frank's funeral, uh, they call up a chorus, a choir, to uh, sing, quote, sing a song, and it's just whistling. Now, I don't know if any of you have a choir background like I do. It's basically The Lord Bless You and Keep You by John Rutter, but it's not. It's, it's just slightly different. I don't know if they wrote it for this movie because it's like the same key, it's the same progression, but it's just not. So... I don't know. It, and, and they whistled it all. I think that was a terrible choice, and I don't know why they did it. I was it, watching this 
on one and a half speed as I tend to do. And my dad was around because I'm quarantining for a bit with my parents. And my dad was just looking at me the whole time that scene was on. He was like, what the fuck? <laughs> How is Dig upset. doing? Uh, he's, he's great. Yeah, I'm that's, glad. He's that's an essential worker, so that. he's working. So I hope he's okay. He's an essential worker. Yay, claps. And everybody who isn't an essential worker... Boo! <laughs> the bacon, egg, and cheese store. <laughs> sorry, is an essential I don't. Business. Sorry. Yeah. How dare you not you be a fine. teacher or purveyor of food? Um, I watched I'm this with friend of the podcast, <laughs> boyfriend to me, and he said, "This is a Disney Channel movie. It's already a lot better." Oh, so he he actually prefers this kind of movie to say Adventures in Babysitting. Yeah. But, I mean, he spent the whole time on his phone for both, so. Classic millennial. Oh, Alexander Trimes Esquire spending time on the phone. He should be reading law. Yeah. Alexander Trimes, J.D. The um, official oh. lawyer of this podcast. I'll cut that out. <laughs> oh, good. When, when we get a cease and desist from uh, the mouse, he can <laughs> oh, help no. us. The long arm really of the mouse. Got it. Here's one thing I want to point out. At the funeral, the the minister, or whatever he is, describes death as being covered up with a bunch of dirt. Nice. Yeah. That's oh my good. god. He he was I I wrote down the exact quote. He goes, even though even though we'll soon be covering him in a bunch of dirt. <laughs> like he was like making a point, like, we should enjoy our time, even though we're about to cover this man in dirt. <laughs> Incredible. Um this is a good time to say you, you guys, I talk to you guys more than just about anybody else. So when I die, do not bury me, burn my body and throw a big ass party. Okay. I, I, I want everyone to celebrate my life. Uh, you don't have to play the podcast. That's okay. You can. And I would be honored if you did, but you could you just, just, you know, take one of my playlists from Spotify, play that and burn my body either publicly or privately either are okay by me um i think we need to get the official lawyer of the tipsy panel in here to make sure that this is a legally binding document oh it, okay yes please it uh, is mister, i've yeah. been hearing about law stuff for All right, three wait, wait, months let's, let's clear the air for a second Hey, everybody. Welcome to the official audio will of Brandon Lamuto. <laughs> I, Sir Brandon Lamuto of Sound Body and Mind, do <laughs> declare herefore with that my body be burned to a crisp. Don't forget the party part, Brandon. Uh, what's the party part? Oh, right. And you have party. to throw a party. Yeah, We're it's not a funeral. We're just a pizza oven in Brooklyn. And just throw a party at the pizzeria. Oh God, that's perfect. It kills two birds with one stone. Everybody gets to eat, and my body's gone. <laughs> perfect. Oh. Hey guys, why was the guy with the lisp holding a soccer ball when he came to Diane Keaton's room? That was a good transition, right? I think that worked. Why was he holding a soccer ball? Oh my God! It sounds you like just the made setup of a drink. corny pun joke. <laughs> because he wanted to score a goal. But actually, I do have to. I, I I think um he fills a specific trope of early Disney Channel movies, which is an adult that is basically just a child. Like they did not want to cast a child actor because there's so many more things that go into it. You have to put them in school. Uh, they can only work like uh, I think. Six 
nine hours a day from my history in production. I believe it's they have to be in school for like five hours a day and they can only work up to nine. Um, at least that's how it is in the 21st century. So it's so much easier to just get an adult who just has the personality of a 10 year old. And that's what this guy was. I'm and he wrote the movie. Oh, right. And he wrote the movie. I forgot that. <laughs> this was the last movie that guy did. I, I saw his IMDb page as an actor, and then he became a producer. So this movie was like, afterwards, was, he was like, fuck acting. <laughs> this was a springboard for him. Yeah. He really made it happen. Wow. Good for him. Hey, whatever um, happened to this Diane Keaton lady? Yeah, I don't know. She, she, anything? she, she really fell off. Isn't she doing like Revlon commercials or something? Oh, she definitely did. Um, How the mighty have fallen. <laughs> she was in. Um, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Birdman. I'm sorry. I can't even. I, I won't even take jokes. I won't take any any flack against Diane Keaton. She is a wonderful woman, and I appreciate her. Do, uh, do you know her personally? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's my aunt. Um, oh. Oh. Well, why isn't and she on the show? And you can't get a copy right of the movie. Now? Yeah. No, <laughs> I. Well, I don't. I wonder what her connection like what her reflections are on this movie um i do know that apparently she said she was surprised that disney channel produced this movie because of her character being a heavy smoker but uh i don't know it's this is just that weird era you know like the the mid 90s where nothing on disney channel really was disney channel as we know it i genuinely wonder if she remembers this because like, if you think about how long someone's career is, who it spans, like, that many decades, and a shoot for especially a cheaply made movie is, like, not that many weeks out of the mm-hmm. whole thing. And yeah. it's also, like, it got no attention. Like, it went to TV, and probably no one's talked about it since. Like, I genuinely wonder how much she remembers of this whole thing. That is a very good point. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't even think about that, especially considering how, you know, illustrious her career is. Diane? If yeah. for some reason you're listening, you want to give us a call and mm-hmm. let us know what your recollections of this movie are, you can uh, call Collect. Why not? 914-863-1613. That's a Disney Channel Tipsy Panel hotline. That's 914-863-1613. Let us know. Do you remember this movie? I guess you must at this point because you're hearing this podcast or someone told you about it thanks diane who would be the best celebrity to get for the podcast like the most on-brand disney channel tipsy panel so uh, that's a great question and i've thought about this orlando brown would be incredible god yes he's got the disney he's he's got the tipsy that is true but he's only got one disney channel original movie now if we want to talk about like people who have been in a bunch you've got uh, Brenda Song, oh. who's got, I think, six of them, or f- she's got five or six. You've got Raven Simone, who has six of them, but she, you know, she is, you know, she's doing her own thing. I think she's still on The View. Uh, there, there's very little chance we could get her. Uh, but and you've got Barack Obama. Yes, who was in that wonderful Disney Channel original movie. Our listener account, you guys. Yep. We get former President Barack Obama on the show to talk about i don't know to talk about um, brink 
Yeah. Oh, he loved Brink. It was his favorite movie. I remember in the in the presidential debate in 2008, him talking about, oh, let me be clear. My favorite Disney Channel original movie is Brink. Tune into the next episode of the Disney Channel Tipsy Panel where we'll discuss the color of friendship with Barack Obama. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Tom Virtue. Tom Virtue would be a good guy to have on the show. He's the dad in Even Stevens, and he's in so many Disney Channel original movies. He, Because, you know, he's always just a bit character. The only thing he really starred in was the Even, was Even Stevens, but, you know, he's the perfect bit character. He shows up, he does his work for like a week, they pay him however much. He's a true, like, career actor, and I, I respect him for that, and I really want to know, you know, the things he has to say about the production because he's a professional and he seems like a good guy and his name is Tom Virtue. My name, Tom Virtue. I would Virtue. say the the biggest get for us would be Paul Hohen. Oh, it, shit. he knows every step of everyone he's directed and also if he was like the go-to decom guy, mm-hmm. he knows where like some of them probably started and then morphed into whatever they were. Like Camp Rock might not have started as Camp Rock. It might have started as something weirder. Like he could he could have like the exec um, perspective on the whole thing. I want to talk uh, to him. Absolutely. I mean, Kenny Ortega is the most famous yes. decom director. I was going to say Paul, but Paul Owen is the iconic DCOM director. He, he has done so many of the movies that, that define what Disney Channel original movies are. And as I am just kind of saying stuff, I'm going to pull up him on IMDb so I could tell all of our wonderful listeners which movies he did. Here we go. He did uh, Read It and Weep. He did... True Confessions. He did Luck of the Irish. He did Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off. He did Jump In. He did Dad Napped. He did the third Sheeta Girls movie. He did Camp Rock 2. He did uh, Let It Shine, which not many people know. Oh, How to Build a Better Boy. That was one of my favorites. Uh, And Zombies, which is a movie that I still really am excited to do because it's basically uh, Romeo and Juliet, but with zombies. Oh, and also a musical. Oh wow! Wow, yeah, that one's that one's going to be uh, a a real uh, treat. Sounds like we may end up biting off more than we can chew. Is that a zombie <laughs> pun? I like that. Uh... Tr- truly, every time I think that we've hit peak of these decoms of like, oh, I know kind of what they're about. One like that will come up, and I'll go, never knew about this, never heard of it, can't believe it's real. In a way, can't wait to watch it, but also could definitely wait to watch it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But, like, am now, like, in- just intrigued by it. Right. This was a good pick, though. Northern Lights. I mean, still, that shouldn't give away how I feel. But whichever one of you decided that we were going to do this one, I-, I applaud you. Because fantastic choice. So I-, I suggested it just because it is, like, the bastard child of Disney Channel in that it was right before they acknowledged that, okay, all movies we put on our channel now have their own production company. They have their own name. They are ours and we love them and we honor them. This was the one right before. And they said, you know what? We don't honor that one. And also we so, have Diane so, Keaton. Yes. Academy award wonderful. winning by the time she filmed this movie, Diane Keaton. Wow. Oh yeah. I mean, well her for, did, did she win for Annie Hall? I think she won for Annie Hall, which was 
possibly exactly 20 years before this movie. I believe Annie Hall is 77. Yep, Annie Hall came out in 1977. Uh, Northern Lights is 97. And uh, she won one Oscar. And it was indeed for Annie Hall. So, yeah, she is a Academy Award winner for 20 years. Oh, my God. Actually, wait, here's great. Here's something great. In 1997, she was also nominated for an Oscar for wow. Marvin's Room. Is that a I know nothing. song? <laughs> uh, yes. Um, I don't know. Marvin's Room has quite a cast. Meryl Streep, Leo DiCaprio, and... Um, uh, Diane Keaton. What a poster. So, so it is a Drake song. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love your description of this movie, Brandon, the bastard child of the Disney Channel, because it, it really is. I mean, there's all the talk of cigarettes, the offbeat humor, a lot of food humor, too, which I appreciated. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rubidoux said um, he tends to gag if there's too much pulp in it. <laughs> oh my god in lemonade right yeah um and then when diane keaton's wearing the converse at her dead brother's picnic she gets splashed with food she gets splashed with food a few times in this movie yeah actually i i, I did want to bring that up because so when they're at the the party for frank it's it's basically like you know the day after the funeral it's a party diane keaton's character is not the same person even a little bit so before we you know before she gets there our introduction to her she is a socialite she is a heavy smoker she cares about herself uh she is unconcerned with the feelings of others for the most part when we get to the the party she is She's like patting Jack on the head and calling him a growing boy. Mm. She's not smoking at all. And we've seen her like nicotine withdrawal phase and and it is intense. And I think she me my cigarettes. She fucking smashes a cigarette machine. And I think that she nailed the portrayal of nicotine addiction because I have seen it and it's very real. Yep. Uh, but yeah, like. Her her character just is not the same person at the party. And, like, she gets splashed with food for the second time, and this time she, like, doesn't even care at all. It's it's just odd. I don't know. Um, but, guys, we have a lot of things that we haven't done yet. Like, uh, we didn't do the DCOM F-bomb. Uh, I think we should we should talk about that. How do you guys – what do you guys think? Well, is it time? I think – I don't know, man, because there's a lot of uh, adult language in this movie, let's say. It's it's different, you know? So the DCOM F-bomb feels a little different this time around. Correct me if You're I'm wrong. Right. You're right. I, I got the same impression. that be, for, for those of you who don't know, the DCOM F-bomb is if this were a PG-13 movie, uh, you would get to say fuck once. Where would you say it? Um, but you're, you're absolutely right, Ryan. It, it, it feels different, and because it doesn't feel like a DCOM, it, it's almost not novel to put one in. Although I do have one. I have one too. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna throw it out there. I show your opinion. Oh, they'll, Ryan. they'll have one. All right. I mean, um, go ahead, Ryan. It'd be give me my fucking cigarettes. Obviously, that's a very <laughs> good point. Yeah, when she's smashing the machine, I like yeah. that. Give mine. me my 
fucking cigarettes. Mine is also related to cigarettes. Uh, towards the end of the movie, there is a scene where uh, Diane Keaton and the child Jack are both talking to each other. It's basically where Jack thinks he's going to get adopted by her, but she's like, oh, no, it's too soon. I can't do that. Um, but when they sit down together, she sparks a cigarette and he's been around her smoking cigarettes before. But this time he kind of freaks out. So my decom F-bomb is him. And now note everything he's everything I'm saying here is his line, except for the F-bomb. He just sits there and goes, ah, I'm allergic to cigarettes. Fuck, I'm allergic. I'm allergic. <laughs> That's not a thing, right? Like, I'm not crazy. You, you can't be allergic. allergic. Yeah, we I, all are. Yeah, yeah I, I'm allergic to cigarettes because I smoked them for 20 years and they gave me cancer. I must be allergic. <laughs> My body built up an allergy. <laughs> <laughs> all right what else we got guys where would you say fuck well mine's oh, more of an innuendo for the f-bomb if you okay. know what i mean Ooh. which i think you guys do um uh, yeah the fuck <laughs> yeah mr robitussin says <laughs> i'm not george washington i'm a pilgrim and a very slender sexy lady says well I'll let you chop down my tree anyway. And I don't know what that means. Like, I mean, wouldn't he have the tree? Oh, baby, chop wouldn't down she my be cherry Washington? tree. It's definitely an innuendo, but it's just like a clumsy one. Ah, uh, polish my wooden teeth. Mm. <laughs> oh, I cannot tell a lie, and I want your cherry tree. Emancipate mm. me. No, sorry, wrong <laughs> well, president. You're really good at this. Thanks <laughs> Brandon maybe you have a uh, Side career as a Presidential phone sex Hotline operator Put me on drunk history guys I'm gonna do great um, I I really think that Hearing Mr. Rubidoux Rubik's Cube um, <laughs> Hearing him say fuck at any point Would be great because he's very soft spoken like, there's a line where he says, like, there's lovely foliage here. Like, if he was to, like, there's fucking lovely foliage here. <laughs> um, but the original one I wrote down was when I was just so thrown off where the cab driver, who is just, like, all over the place. Like, he's basically, if anyone watched Aqua Teen Hunger Force, he's, like, the homeless man who comes <laughs> around sometimes and, like, mumbles to himself. Oh, I thought he's about like, that. Ah, my cab. <laughs> he's got, like, just, like, such a smoker's cough. And he would just say, like... I feel like he would just have like words just coming out of his mouth, like "Yeah, but goddamn, I, I fucked a fish. I don't know, what about that frog man?" And he would just be mumbling in the whole cab ride. He's like if That's Tom perfect. Waits was in a mental institution out of necessity. Yes, <laughs> That's pretty much it. Also, speaking of the taxi driver, I feel like the one requirement as a driver is to have a back seat, which this man did not. It was just Ooh. a single he had, bench seat. He had like seat. a. He had like an old Chevy with just a just a front seat. That was the love, cab in this wacky little town. Love the bucket seat, my favorite. All right, well that's all of our f bombs, right? It is. Um, um, now on to the decom dad hour. I mean, there weren't many to choose from. More like the decom dead hour. <laughs> ha Yeah, the dad's dead. Um, Mr. Rubadoob, though, he's alive and he's a dad. Yeah. Um, if, if I had, I don't know what I would give him, but I do have to say that 
late in the movie, we find out that Peggy, who is his wife, is actually his ex-wife. Uh, and I don't know. And he's, and I he's feel been like, calling her periodically throughout the movie, just leaving messages, and you just see that like no one's answering. Literally filling her, her voicemail. And I don't know. I feel like I would be pretty annoyed if my ex-husband called me like every day for six years to fill up my voicemail box. And also this is the time where like voicemail boxes filled up. So like you couldn't get messages yeah, from people that you really needed. Magnetic tape. Literally. Yeah, exactly. So like she would, you know, be waiting on an important call and then she'd go check her messages and she would hear, um, if you have 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 20 minutes, can you get me a belt that yeah, matches my shoes? But you know, that's more about him as a husband and partner and less about him as a dad. I think he reveals himself to be a willing, competent, able father. And, mm -hmm. you know, I would give him at least an A, you know, maybe an A minus if you factor in the fact that he's a needy ex-husband. Sure. He, yeah, he, no, I, I agree. Nothing here tells me that he would be a, a poor father. He says it himself. He goes, the best thing I've ever been is a dad. And I suppose Frank knew that. Huh. Yeah. However, Frank kind of loses out in the end because Mr. Rubadoop does not raise this child. No. Should we no, talk about the end of this movie? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So uh, the end of the movie, it, it's kind of a, I feel like this is a trope. I can't really place the trope, but disaster happens for like 30 seconds mm -hmm. where Jack is sitting on the roof, as he does very often, to see the northern lights and he never sees them but then he slips and he starts to fall off the roof and he's you know he's he's hanging from the gutter like he is going to fall 30 that feet smooth icy summertime roof oh yes just mm -hmm. slide right off it happens that's that's weather for you and he is just hanging there and they catch him but uh, I don't know. I feel like they were trying to say something with that moment where, like, Mr. Rubidoux did not save him, but Diane Keaton did. Uh, but, like, whatever message they were trying to get across was not very good at all. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. Agreed. It was dumb. It, I guess it was that, like, the community that had always been there to support him and his family was there to like rescue him because for some reason they all showed up with like a bed sheet to catch him yeah but you're right like the the flip side of that is that mr rubidoux failed like he he wasn't a good dad in that moment or a, or like he just didn't he wasn't able to save him right sure well i don't know should we equate dad with um emergency protocol I guess dads have to be, you know, able to save children in <laughs> in a split second. So, this yeah, I guess we have flexes. to. Yeah. Also, is this it is now the he's inverse stuck of Cadet Kelly? No, he's mm. like reaching out of the window. He's tied to a fire hose. Um, yeah, actually, the, the, an, another moment I did really like is where um, he wakes up the 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 voiceless sailor to like help him save this child and the sailor who is apparently aware that uh, a child is about to die is telling him now what you need is this specific knot on the fire hose. I, that, 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 that's pretty funny. So I think he, he goes, what you need is a navel knot. 
I'm, I might be getting a little too deep here, but I, I've got to say, I think Rubidoux tried harder to save Jack from the roof than Diane Keaton did. She she kind of just, um, you know, if I may, fell into that situation. And mm-hmm. No, you're mm. absolutely right. So who knows? Maybe that makes him look better as a it, it, it It absolutely does. He, like, ran up the stairs, and he's a heavyset guy. Like, that oh. wasn't easy for him, especially climbing out onto a oh. window tied to a a, like, you know, a rope. Basically. I'm surprised she wasn't like in New York City. We don't even have roofs. We just have buildings. They keep going up and up and up and up, and then you have a cigarette and you keep going to the top of the roof until you get there, and it's never there, and you keep going, but it's not there because that's how she. Oh, another the good whole point. Movie. Why did she go to the ninth floor of her building to smoke a cigarette when you could just go outside? Uh, yeah, go. I mean, Maybe go anywhere. Maybe she was on the eighth floor. Maybe she was on the seventh floor. I guess so, but like. Doesn't a building with nine floors have an elevator? Not necessarily. No, because these elevators a... broke. Right, yeah, in I the forgot 90s. that That's plot That's another device. trope, listeners. Broken <laughs> elevators and northern lights. Yep, it happens all the time. <laughs> anyway, if they see, the, they see the northern lights at the end of the movie. I'm yeah. sure you're not surprised by that. Yeah, so the the... It circles back to the beginning of the movie, which was a black and white montage of all these people in costume where they're doing testimonials. They were, it turns out they're recording a video for Jack on his birthday at a party that he was at too. So they were all like there saying these nice things about him. And like, should we say it to his face? No, let's go record (laughs) it and we'll give it to him later. Okay, so I, I, I think it is weird as hell, but also that's a thing like, my friend had a birthday recently while we are all in quarantine and everybody sent her videos and it was it was very sweet. She really liked it. And I think it might actually be weirder to have, you know, a person just sitting there while everybody just tells you point blank how much you mean to them. It's mm-hmm. nice. It's you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's definitely a little weirder. Right. Also, right. they're well, all they adults. Like there's no children testimonials. Like if I'm nine. <laughs> That's a good point. If I'm eight going on nine, I kind of want to hear what my friends have to say. They also gave their videos in the same exact costumes, which means they recorded them right there. Ooh. They could have just told him. Very good point. Did not think of that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, so that was a little weird. And also, like, was it Halloween? Like, is it, is Jack's birthday Halloween? Yeah. Looked like they were doing, like, a like a fucking mall photo op where they, like, had some stock costumes. Oh, wait, wait. Can we do my out. will? Yes, please. Ryan, will you please count in my audio will? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Brennan Banta Last Will and Testament Hour. Today, we're going to have Brennan herself reading her final wishes. All right. Brennan- you- Take it away. You, everyone, choose your own theme. I don't care what it is. You want it to be ABBA? You want it to be a highlighter party? Just choose your own theme. Come to a party of mine. Uh, I'll be there, dressed up as a dead woman. (laughs) What do dead women look like? What's their costume? Uh, Pretty, like, you know, shriveled, pruned, I'm assuming. Okay. And just chock full of unfulfilled wishes. Sure. Mm-hmm. Got it. It's a My costume last party. One testament. <laughs> I, I okay, want. I, I want a Gigi Allen burial. I want everybody to oh, write gross. on me, <laughs> and then just leave, I don't know. Leave me there. Like, 
some shit. I don't know. Who the fuck cares? I'm, I'm going to be a dead body. Just a bunch of carbon. <laughs> That's the thing, though. You care. This is your last will and testament. The only thing that matters here is what you want. And we're here to do that. I, I can't really think straight right now. I'm I'm hungry and dehydrated. Um, is, is it almost time to wrap it up here? Because it yeah. feels like it is. Okay. Yeah, no, it absolutely I'm going to explain is. what Diane Keaton was dressed at as, and then you call the hotline yes. listener, and you tell us what it is. She's wearing <laughs> pinstripes, black and white, and two styrofoam balls covered in glitter attached to a headband. Let's take some time. Think about what black and white stripes and antennas look like. Yeah. She's dressed let's, as an illegal alien. Oh. <laughs> it's so I, bad. I'm going to be honest. I thought she was just a bumblebee. Yeah. <laughs> I saw stripes and I saw antennas. I was like, oh, she's a bee. Nope. Yeah. They couldn't just do that. It's pretty fucked up. Through the lens of 2020, Looking at 1997, it's still fucked up. Why didn't I mean, they just do that? I mean, they were one pair of wings away. Yeah, they had to throw in a a, 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 a tone deaf joke. Very strange. Did ice exist in 1997? No, I think um, they created ice after 9 11. Mm. They. It's a wonderful thing However we, we do have to I mean it's it's worth noting that you know That wasn't the only terrorist attack 1993 the 94 The, the, World, Cent, the World Trade Center bombings those were, those were still pretty fresh In people's minds at the time And we talked about Ted Kaczynski Yeah Kaczynski. Mm-hmm. I guess to be fair though None of those were illegal aliens So I guess That's that wasn't good. like a uh, a, a charged comment, even though at yeah. this point it very much is. Yeah, we're also equating terrorism with illegal immigration. Well, but they also make a terrorism joke, so it's no surprise yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that that's fresh on our minds. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think uh, this was right around the time of Oklahoma City, too. I, I um, don't have oh. my dates straight because I was a kid, but... Uh... 1997, bless you. Mm-hmm. When you could kind of just say stuff in a movie because everybody's white. Yeah. Literally exactly. everybody in this movie. All right. Uh, let's rate this movie, I guess, shall we? Um, let's do it. For those Before of you who we don't talk about know, more terrorism. Yeah, it's, it's time to move on. For those of you who don't know, our rating system is very simple. It's thumbs up or thumbs down. Uh, you could, you know, decide what you like or not like on your own. There's no, there's no like, uh, standards. We just say what we feel like. Uh, so I'm going to go first. This is a heavy thumbs down. This movie fucking sucked. I, there was nothing in this movie that made me want to keep watching. Like, sure. There were a couple funny moments, like a child screaming, I'm allergic to cigarettes or the fact (laughs) that there's a character named Mr. Ruba Doob which is just rub-a-dub pronounced weird, or uh, a character who is a rat man, and we never see his face because he is a rat man, but we know that Diane Keaton is terrified of him. Um, Regardless of that, this movie makes no sense, is dumb, and I didn't like it. It's a thumbs down from me. Wow. I'm going to Yeah, no, that's it. It's a pretty predictable plot. Woman shows up from big city to her hometown to take care of an 
her estranged nephew and ends up falling back in love with the town and all of the good qualities small town living has. I don't know. Do you want to watch it? Sure. I mean, they're pretty much all downhill from here. So, plus you get to hear the word titty and if you can't see me right now i'm giving two metal signs up to this oh yeah wait so, so what do you give it yeah oh you don't know what uh i'm gonna go thumbs up what nice really yeah, nice thumbs uh, well, all the way to the sky wow listen, listen brandon I'm also going to give this movie a thumbs up. What the fuck is wrong with all of you? God damn it. This movie appealed to me because of the reasons it didn't appeal to you, Brandon. It was stupid. It, you know, had a bunch of stupid little jokes. You know, like I said, it made a lot of sense to me that it was a play because the quality of the screen performance definitely would translate to the stage better. But I got a kick out of it. I mean... Definitely not as bad as some of the other stuff we watched, and I know that's relative, of course, but, you know, I, I really enjoyed all the off-color jokes and the smoking, the, the adult humor, um, tons of, of really funny quotes in there to me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was... Uh, I was charmed by this. And then as soon as the Northern Lights came in at the end, I was like, oh, yeah, this movie's called Northern Lights. So... All the more reason why uh, I was I was happy to give it a thumbs up. I can't believe you just said you were charmed by this movie. That yeah. is the most positive thing you have ever said about any of the movies we've watched. Isn't it crazy? I, Brandon, I I liked this one. What? <laughs> I mean, no, I'm so glad that we have differing opinions because that's what makes our rating system so interesting. But what the hell? Oh, my God. I liked this movie and I'm giving it a thumbs up. And I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that I would watch it again, but maybe I would. Wow. And there's a cat in it. There's a cute cat in it. That is a cute cat. But Joseph Cross throws rocks at that cat. And that made me really mad. Yeah, well, he can get fucked. Because Jack yeah. is a dumb character. Oh, and I, I will say, too, I watched it on one and a half speed, and uh, I love the music, but specifically Jack's piano playing. He was <laughs> I was getting big Dave Brubeck energy from him. And oh, sure. Uh, yeah. For all of our jazz heads. Shout out, out to Diane Keaton's cover of Nat King Cole. Mm, yeah. Oh, is that what that was? I didn't I didn't recognize that. That's right. Uh, I'm going to share my thoughts on this movie there there's large swaths of it that are just a waste of time like her sure. singing a full nat king cole song you don't need to show that like i zoned the hell out with that like i i just found myself zoning out and i have to say that yes like you know exactly where it's going to end up as soon as it starts you're like okay she's gonna like the town sure. she's gonna like the kid but the journey there is so out of control and like up and down like the fact that the kid it has like abrupt chaos and falls off a roof with 10 minutes left. Like, I don't know if, <laughs> if it's just me, but like, I don't know. I wasn't really expecting that. And like the, the way that they get there and all the odd detours they take along the way for some reason was, was enough to keep me interested. I'm also going to say thumbs up. Holy shit. Brandon, see you at your <laughs> I will funeral, never watch man. It again. Yeah. That's This is two weeks in a row now where, you guys all had the same verdict, and mine was the opposite. That's 
Holy shit. That's wow. Also, we were all thumbs yeah. up and you were all thumbs and you all and you were thumbs <laughs> down, Brandon. And you're the one yeah. who loves these movies. I, I, I absolutely I am. I, I think I think that both episode 41, which was the last one, and this one, episode 42, are both unique votings where I am the opposite of whatever all of you voted, which is very interesting. Is it quarantine brain a- or is it? Oh, it's 100% quarantine brain. Teacher, okay, that's what I thought too. Yeah, no, it, my my brain is just oatmeal at this point. It's because there's no baseball being played, and we had to have two unassisted triple plays in a row for our Seaver and our Robinson episode. So I don't understand a single thing that you said. Because your brain's oatmeal, son. Okay, yeah, good point. All right. Um, but yeah, no, that is that is our show, everybody. Uh, please let us know what you think. If you agree with me or if you agree with these jabronis, uh, <laughs> we're on Instagram at Disney Channel Tipsy Panel. We're on Twitter at Tipsy Panel. Uh, we are we have an email. We have an email address, Disney Channel Tipsy Panel at Gmail dot com. And we have a Tipsy Panel hotline. What is and it, Brandon? Gonna tell you what the, OK, hold on. Nine one four. Eight six three sixteen thirteen. Yep. Okay. Cool. I think I can remember that now. So yeah, nine one four three sixteen thirteen. That's the Disney Channel Dipsy Panel Hotline, baby. Call it. Yep. We love getting calls. I'm. I'm just gonna say Ryan loves getting calls because it's he. He's the one who's in charge of the hotline. So please call him. Tell him. Tell him what you think. Uh, We we want to hear from all of you. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's it. Do we have any other, do we have any announcements? Is there anything we got to say to everyone? I don't think there is. Please don't make me vote for Joe Biden. Please don't make me vote for Joe Biden. Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. What do you think? Do you think like Cuomo is going to come out of nowhere and say, I'm running now? No, I think, um, probably after, um, what we've seen across the country as a response to, um, the, the death of George Floyd in oh, Minneapolis. Oh, say his name, George Floyd. Holy shit. Goddamn. Uh, I think uh, I think this country's going to burn to the ground before uh, November 2020. So it um, genuinely might, um, but holy shit, the world is on fire right now. Good thing I signed I, up this podcast to go straight to the moon. Donate nice. to donate to every any bail fund in your state, please. Truly do because protesters should not be in jail. Protesters should keep protesting because there's things to protest. Yeah, yes. I actually not too big of a deal but i put a five dollar reoccurring donation for each month so it's not that much okay it's 60 bucks a year but makes me feel better than netflix (laughs) so which you can get from your pal anyway so if you Mm -hmm. want to choose a low amount and check that reoccurring box might make you feel nice let's let's make a donation as as a team uh I'll I'll Venmo somebody if they'll do it, or you can Venmo oh, me. Hundred percent, absolutely. We will make a tipsy panel donation, uh, and I hope all of our listeners will consider doing the same. Black lives matter. They do. All right, that's our show, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in next time. We'll have another decom for you. Thank you. Bye. That took a more serious turn than I was planning. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. No, 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 don't, don't, don't apologize. This is something that sh- this is should this should be talked about at this time. In fact, 
considering we have a platform, however small it may be, yeah. uh, not talking about it would be uh, egregious. <laughs>